Warm greetings, everyone. I hope this podcast finds you well, safe, and healthy. Well, this is Linda Nimchalim. I'm going to do a podcast on the topic on how has COVID-19 impact development thoughts in relation to wealth, poverty, and quality through the dependency theory perspective. <clears throat> well, I think it's best for me to repeat this topic well, it goes. It actually goes like this: How has COVID nineteen impact development thoughts in relation to wealth, poverty, and quality, through dependency theory perspective? Well, some of you might ask, how does COVID nineteen interrelate to dependency theory? How does these two actually um interrelate? Well, we are going to these are actually the two key concepts of this topic: COVID nineteen and then dependency theory on how um, they actually affected wealth, wealth, poverty, and quality in a global scope. Well, we are going to, to first understand the concept of the theme and integrate the terms wealth, poverty, and quality with the term dependency theory. Well, from there, we are going to further discuss the competition of the vaccine and the distribution of the vaccine. By that I mean, oh, the, the the competition on how, on on who will get or discover the vaccine first than the other. Who will get the vaccine from the other? Who will get or who will send the vaccine to to the other or who will sell the vaccine to the other? This first um key factor will discuss that. The second key factor. We are going to discuss the, the distribution of financial aid. The financial aid that um, comes from the Britain Moods institutions, the IMF and the World Bank. So we are going to actually discuss how and why was it sent to the, to the developing countries. The long term, from there, we are going to discuss the long term effect of dependency perpetuated by COVID-19. So we're actually going to discuss the long-term effect on the, the, the effect that would be caused by the dependency of the developing countries to the, on, the, on, the, on the rich countries. And then furthermore, discuss the criticism of the dependency theory. We'll then lastly discuss on what can be done. Will the dependency of the poor nations on rich nations end? So these five key concepts or key themes will actually narrow our discussion. We'll actually brainstorm or explore more on how this topic has for us today. Well, I'd like us to first describe or briefly describe what is dependency theorem. Well, according to Walter Rodney, 1982, he defined de dependency theory as an approach to understanding economic underdevelopment that emphasizes deputative constraints imposed by the global political and economic order. He first proposed this in the late 1950s. It was actually the Argentine economics named Roll Prebist. However, dependency theory gained 
and the prominence in the 1960s and 1970s. Well, some of you or many of you might know this term as foreign dependency. Well, it's actually the global power, so the global power structure in which weaker countries are, economic, are economically reliant on stronger countries, allowing the stronger country to exercise significant control over the weaker country's economic and political behavior. Dependency theory actually analyzes the internal dynamics of underdeveloped countries and relates their underdevelopment to their positions in the international economic system. Furthermore, this process of underdevelopment is intimately um, and inseparably um, related to their external dependence. However, in short, this actually means um, dependency theory attempts to, to explain the present underdeveloped state of many nations in the world by examining the patterns of interactions among nations and by arguing that inequality among the nations is an intrinsic part of those interactions. And therefore, in, in today's um, realm, where dependency thoughts are still useful in analyzing the widening gap of inequalities between the poor and the rich countries, or in analyzing the divisions within developed and developing country concept. Our societies are vastly divided and dependent relations exist within our social, fab our social fabric. We'll then, um, after that, dis briefly describing on what it's actually dependency theory, on what does it entail, the elements of, of dependency theory. We are going to further discuss what is wealth. Well, wealth is actually the evidence of valuable financial assets or physical possessions which can be converted into a form of into a form that can actually be used for transactions. Wealth actually measures the value of all assets of all of wealth owned by a person, can be a community, can be a company or a country. Wealth is actually determined by checking by checking the total market value of all physical and intangible assets owned then subtracting all debt. Essentially, wealth is actually um, the accumulation of scarce resources. Well, some of you might ask, how does this relate with, 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 with COVID-19? And how does it relate with the dependency, the dependency theory? Well, in this case of COVID-19, most countries depend on IMF and World Bank for financial aid. However, with debts as whole, with debts as one, this actually it reveals the weakness of the other countries' economies in meeting the needs of their populations. And furthermore, we're going to discuss what is poverty. Poverty is a state of not having enough material positions or income for a person's basic needs. Poverty may include social, economic, and political elements. Absolute poverty is actually the complete lack of the means necessary to meet basic personal needs, such as food, can be clothing, or shelter. It is the state of being inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. Well, in this case of COVID-19, 
developing countries were shifted to, to extreme poverty. We all know that. However, dependency theory explains how financial aid provided to developing countries from rich nations perpetuate poverty through the slow pace of economic growth that's underdeveloped the developing countries. Thus, the lack of sufficient resources to support them. Thus, there'd be a lack of sufficient resources to support the population in, in such current devastating moments. So I hope we, with that you, you do understand the interaction of COVID-19 and dependency theory. Uh, on the fact that it actually explains how financial aid provided developing countries from rich nations from rich nations and how does it perpetuate poverty well i i guess i should explain this in simple ways that when these developing countries um or these i should state uh, start by this form when these rich countries lend or loan the developing countries they actually expect the sum or the, the this amount that they've loaned to the developing country to be returned with an interest above. So that's why most countries, most developing countries specifically, result in poverty. Because they mostly concentrate on trying to, 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 to settle their debt with the with the developed countries. Thus forgetting that their countries initially needs economic growth. Economic growth that will create job opportunities. Economic growth that will have to eradicate poverty. So in that way, I hope um, we, we understand on how does dependency theory actually interrelate with COVID-19 on the concept of poverty, or on the concept of poverty, sorry. Well, inequality. Inequality actually refers to the phenomenon of unequal or unjust erosion of resources or opportunities among members of a given society. The term inequality may mean different things to different people in different contexts. Moreover, inequality encompasses distinct yet overlapping economic, social, and spatial dimensions. Well, in this case of inequality, Simply, um, as long as poor nations are dependent on, on rich nations for economic stimulus and access to, to a larger piece of global economy, they will, never, they will never achieve stable and consistent economic growth. With regard to COVID-19, which actually perpetuates the gap of inequality globally, as other countries will, will, will be able to recover their countries rapidly compared to other to other countries while the pandemic effect were the same. So it actually perpetuates the COVID the, the COVID nineteen pandemic actually perpetuate the gap of inequality between the countries, between the developing countries and the developed countries. Well now we have to discuss on the on the distribution or we can say the compensation of the vaccine. We are going to discuss where was the vaccine first discovered are they suitable uh, is, is 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 the vaccine suitable to be used in in other countries why were they, this this is the, actually the most important one 
why were the African remedies were not approved? How is it acquired? How, how the vaccine is acquired? Does it help to combat the, 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 the coronavirus? Well, that, 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 let's get to, to basic. The vaccine was first discovered in a developed country, in United Kingdom, London, or we can say Britain, in a colonial language. Well, it was first discovered in a developed country. And it, 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 it does not help to actually terminate or co combat coronavirus at that moment, but it actually treats it to lessen its, its, its vibrant within the body. And then it is acquired through the buying. You have to, the country has to have, have to buy the vaccine from Britain. It's not. It's not only the the Britain that have discovered the coronavirus vaccine, but it, it has been several countries. But the first country that has generated much income to compare to others, it's actually Britain. Well, they are not. And the vaccine is actually not uh, suitable for for to be used in other countries because. After 10 minutes or so, after an hour, um, after being injected um, the, the vaccine, the body becomes itchy. Some people um, suffer from uh, headaches or other people uh, experience high temperatures. Well, it depends on how your body is, but it's not actually suitable to be used in other countries. Well, the most important one, why were the African remedies were not approved? Well. We, we all know that uh, it has been actually projected that Tanzania discovered its, its, its remedy to, to COVID-19. In most cases, African countries actually used indigenous knowledge in order to, in terms of cure, in, in terms of herbs. We, we as African use herbs in terms of uh, curing ourselves. So... The herb that was used in Tanzania was actually known as in 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 Zulu. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, I have to explain this in Zulu. Uh, there's this term, or uh, it's called umhlonyan. That's how we actually use it for for flu, for high temperatures, or if you if you if you have high temperature body, you you use to lessen your temperature on your body, or if you have flu, you use that herb. So it's actually helped a lot. So why were with African remedies were not approved? Well, it was the decision made by the UN, United Nations, and the WHO, World Health Organization, that disapproved that that disapproved the remedy that was found within Tanzania. They said it is not clinically approved. It is not scientifically approved. Well, in that case. African countries respecting the decisions of these two institutions, UN and World Health Organization. That means African countries still depend on European institutions or on Western institutions in terms of their health, in terms of their indigenous knowledge. They have to be first approved in order to, to, to gain they are confident in their African remedies. 
so this dependence of, of developing countries to developed countries has mentally disturbed even the leaders of uh, African countries. But then we we'll, we we'll jump to to the to the distribution of financial aid. The, the well, the distribution of financial aid has mixed outcomes, both positive and negative. You you may ask that, where does this financial um comes from? Well. This actually reminds me of my uh, granny, where while you were watching, President South African President Ramaphosa, addressing the speech, she asked me that, where does this lump sum of money come from? Irena said, um, it's there are actually two institutions that, actually usually, funds, countries or that usually make, uh, large transactions to countries. It is IMF and World Bank. Developed by the Britain with some institutions. IMF actually stands for in International Monetary Funds. Well, this actually has I've mentioned that it has actually missed outcomes. Through the suppression of financial aid, there was COVID nineteen social uh, grant relief. The developing countries were loaned lump sums of money. For instance, South Africa has loaned a uh, 500 billion. Which actually is that. So it's a very uh, large lump sum of money if you return it with the, the interest. So this grant relief were those 350 that were received by people that were unemployed. Or in other countries, it was it was the amount used to supplement um, the the income for those that were that were rechanged. Through this financial aid, there were food parcels. Through this financial aid, there were healthcare services that were improved. So, there are actually positive um, outcomes from this financial aid. Well, I usually call it that lags are case to developing countries because it, it, it's it, it's it's both helps at the same time it both it's actually both um doesn't help well the financial support actually increases the country's debt the, the, the developing countries that is why they mostly result in debt in in our in nowadays it's because of these lump sums of interest that are added to this amount. Therefore, due to that, there is expected low pace of development growth within African countries or within developing countries to be specific. There will be intergenerational poverty due to the debts that they have to meet first before developing their countries, which actually takes a lot of years to complete the debt. Some of the countries are still paying the debt that were that that they were loaned in order to 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 to, rejuven, to rejuvenate their economies while they are being affected by world wars. They are still paying. They are still paying those amounts. They are still settling those debts even now. Most countries in developing countries are resulted in poverty. They always needed the loans. 
to sustain their their populations in terms of um, providing food parcels, providing healthcare services, in order to sustain their population or improve their populations in, in the, the standard of living of them. Well, from there, we're going to discuss the long-term effects of dependency that was perpetuated by the COVID-19. So, in other words, COVID-19 has perpetuated dependency of the, of the developing countries on the rich nations. Well, there'll be an, an unending African dependence on, Euro, on, on European countries. They'll be always dependent on them. One, as much as we have knowledge in, 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 in developing countries, we tend to forget that our hearts actually rely or, or, or our origin actually rely on indigenous knowledge. Take a stand for this um, disapproved herb, African herb. That fact actually means that we will always be dependent on the approval, on the decision making or the decision making of African or African living will always be um, instructed from, from, from the European countries. There will be intergenerational poverty in African countries because as much as they concentrate on paying on or on settling these, these debts, there is a lack of economic growth. There's a stunt. The, the economic growth would be we we would result into the slow pace. There would be a lack of solidarity within African countries. To 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 ask what for what's actually stopped the African countries to be solid, to come together, or on 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 standing um against UN and World Health Organization, when it comes to being solid for or standing for their indigenous help, Umsonyan, and use it. There'll be large predominant scales of inequality. Well, COVID-19 has actually escalated the, 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 the scales of inequality globally. Some people are unemployed now because of COVID-19. Some people are richer than the other because of COVID-19. Yes, in most cases, the, 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 the people that are elites, political people, through corruption, through corruption of food parcels, yes. Well, um, there's the un uh, the un the unending debt. I've mentioned this. The unending debt of poor countries. Poor countries will still remain on paying debt to developed countries because of these loans that are being added on 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 large sums of interest. Well, we, we, lastly, we have to bring or review the criticisms of the dependence theory. Well, according to Matisnin, uh, 1997, 1997, sorry, 1997, dependency theory is bias. It actually promotes the negative side of dependence of poor countries and rich nations. It doesn't actually projects the positive side of dependence theory that 
there's now industrialization, there's now technology advancement within African countries or developing countries. The theory doesn't reveal that some poor countries made wrong decisions and implemented policies that sabotage their development. Well, this actually means that it's not only the dependence that's actually caused the developing countries to be poor, to be where they are today, but their political decisions or implemented policies sabotage their development. Well, dependence theory is actually the important tool to use in analyzing the global inequality. So these were the summarized criticisms of the development, or sorry, of the dependency theory. Well, lastly, what can be done? Will the dependency of poor nations or will the dependency of poor nations on the rich nations end? How? Well, I've actually summarized um, some of the, uh, the, the solutions that can be used. Well, as getting the, the economic insights from, from, from the owners I'm currently doing. I think these solutions might help, such as strengthening the, the state's institutions, which will actually enable the, the, the capabilities, especially economic institutions, to, to be able to negotiate better deal when negotiating with other countries. Putting in place economic policies that will sustain economic growth, hence making the country less dependent on on foreign aid. Encouraging exports. Developing countries that are more oriented to exports rather than imports. A country should emphasize to export more than imports. This will actually lead to economic development, hence less reliance to foreign to foreign aid again. Excuse me. There will be industrial growth. A country should encourage its domestic industry or protect domestic industries from foreign competition. Developing regional markets, common markets like Comesa, common markets for Eastern and Southern Africa, in which many countries will actually trade fairly. There'd be fair trade negotiations in global trade through World Trade Organization, in which Global South should negotiate fair trade with their developed country counterpart that for then foreign aid. Innovations. Developing countries should emphasize on, on innovations in primary in primary products that they produce by adding flavor to compete to compete in international markets. There should be public investment, education, health, nutrition, social protection, water, electricity, sanitation and hygiene. The governments of the developing countries should invest in that should invest on, on, on education so that people, we, we will be illiterated within the developing countries. Thus, providing more knowledge, providing more research on how to actually develop the country. Promoting, uh, promoting the, the promotion of agricultural sector in developing countries should be protected. Government should actually invest on agricultural sector so that people will be able to plant for themselves, will be able to practice both commercial and sustainable, and sustainable farming, f- to feed their families and to sell their product. Thus, generating income 
at the same time improving their standard of living. Investment in sustainable infrastructure. The government should invest in sustainable infrastructure. The government should develop roads, should improve how roads are, should improve the accessibility to water and clean, to clean water and electricity. The government should be the, resi- the, the resilience for the most vulnerable. The government should prioritize the standard of living for the people that are mostly poor. In order to create or in order to minimize the large gap that is actually rapidly expanding of the inequality. Well, in, 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 in conclusion, the integration of dependency theory and the COVID-19 pandemic through wealth, poverty and inequality reflects the motive why developing countries are underdeveloped and the major effect that is currently caused by the pandemic that will actually worsen their situation. However, lastly, independent development of poor countries will take years or decades to be visible when political stability of the continent is at remorse. However, this is me, Lindanim Jali, signing out. Thank you for your time and patience and consideration. If you have any further questions, please feel welcomed to ask those questions. Thank you very much.